0: It's amazing to think about this. That the God of the universe came to this earth and He was always getting into trouble. (laughs) He was always getting into trouble with the authorities. They were threatened by Him. The political authorities. The the religious authorities. He did things that they just did not appreciate. He did things differently than the way they thought things ought to be done. And one of those things is that He would go to the homes of sinners and dine with them and rejoice with them. Those, those tax collectors, those traitors, those, those people who have gone deeply into the depth of sin, that is why we have so many problems in Israel. Jesus, why are You doing this? And they just could not grasp what He was doing. But when you read Luke chapter 15, and it's on page 874 in your Bible. When you read Luke chapter 15 at the, in the beginning verses, you kind of get the impression that Jesus has taken it even a step further. Because in previous times, sinners such as Matthew, Levi, would welcome Jesus into their home But when we read the opening verses of Luke 15, it says that Jesus was welcoming them. And you get the idea that Jesus has a home that He's living in for a little while, and He is bringing people into His home to dine with Him. And the religious authorities say they just couldn't believe that. I mean, there are rules, there is protocol that must be followed you would not believe all of the rules that there, that there were for dining. I mean, if some of the kids were here, they would say, yeah, we know what rules are about, about washing your hands before you come to dinner, but that's nothing compared to the rules that they had. They controlled what you ate, who you ate with, where you sat, on and on and on and on. Because it was a grand social occasion and it always had religious significance. And here is Jesus welcoming these sinners into his presence for a meal. Now, in those days, the Jewish people would sit upright the way we sit upright at the table. But on special occasions like a wedding or some great celebration they would move the table and the chairs aside and they would put down these little cots in the middle of the room. And they would recline. It was a, it was a sign of relaxation. It was a sign of joy. It was a sign of celebration. And they would have the, the food right in the middle and they would recline and they could, they could reach out and grab the food. And so you get to do the two favorite things that we all enjoy more than anything else. You could do them at the same time. Eating and Resting. And that's a pretty good idea. Maybe we should do that sometime, Kathy, at our house. I I don't know. And so they would do that in the middle. And also, in that culture and in that custom, villagers, even if they were not invited to partake of the meal, they could come into this great celebration and they would line the walls and they would watch the celebration that was going on right in their midst. And so there is Jesus reclining and those sinful people are reclining with Him And there's the religious authorities along the wall watching and disapproving of the whole thing. And they're going to see what's going to happen that day. And so while Jesus is sitting there with the sinners and feasting, he tells a story. Because he not only loves these people, he loves those people around the wall too. And he wants them to get it. And so he tells the story of of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one was lost. And the shepherd did not rest until he went and he found that little lost lamb. And when he brought him back, he said, everyone rejoice. And then he says, that's the way it is with God. He rejoices when one wayward person repents and comes back to him. And then he tells the story of a woman who had ten coins and she lost one of her coins one tenth of her wealth was gone and how she just very diligently swept all through the house and searched all through the house until she found that lost coin and then she told everyone i found it i found it and everyone rejoiced with her and jesus says it's the same way in heaven god rejoices when people come back to him but there they stood and they were unmoved by these two stories And there Jesus sat with the sinners. And he may have said this. I have one more story to tell you. I would like you all to listen very closely to this story. Perhaps he got up and stood in front of everyone and looked at everyone. And this is what he said. There was a father who had two boys. Oh, he loved his boys so much. The older son was responsible, dutiful. He was the quintessential older son taking responsibility. He would be the one that would take care of the family in the case of the father's death. The younger son... He wasn't like that at all, but he made everyone laugh and he was full of personality and full of joy and always wanting to have a good time. They couldn't have been more different than day and night, but the father loved them both and he, he just saw so many good things in both of them. He watched them grow up and his heart went out to both of those boys as, as they grew up and, and as they got older, he could see his older boys fight sometimes and sometimes he would hear them argue and the older boy would say, why can't you be more responsible? You're always wanting to goof off. You're always wanting to play. And the younger son said, well, isn't it okay to have a little bit of fun sometimes? I mean, is this all that you want? Is, it, is, is this going to be our whole life, to be here on the family farm? We have been on this farm for generations. It has been in this family for longer than any of us know. You just need to think more responsibly about this there's so much world out there. There's so many things to do. I just just don't know if if I can stay here all of my life. And on and on they would go through the years and the father would overhear this and he would kind of chuckle sometimes. but, But then there was this little fear that grew in his heart about that younger son. Would he be content to stay there forever? and manage his part of the responsibility, his part of the estate. And one day his fears came true. The father was home this day. He was tending to some business in the village. And he heard someone come into the house. It was his younger son. And his younger son said, Father, I've been thinking I need to leave this place. I, I just can't take it anymore. I want to go away. And the father said, But, but son, all that you have is here. And, and if you leave, how are you going to make a living? How, how are you going to survive if, if you leave? And the son said, Father, I want my share of the estate. And the father could not believe what his younger son was saying. Sons do not demand their fathers like this. Fathers do not give away their estate while they are still living. And if they do, in some rare exception, it is always at the father's initiative. It never took place at the initiative of a child to come and demand that the father share the estate at that time. The father was, was just stunned. And he said, you, you want me to sell your portion? And he says, yes, father, I want you to do this and I want it now. And it was just as if a sword went through the heart of that father. Because when that son said this, it was as if he was saying, I wish you were dead. The father was quiet for a few moments. He could have demanded that his son be quiet. He could have reprimanded his son. He could have angrily disciplined his son because he had complete authority in the family. But instead, he said, All right, but you know, this will take a few days. I will have to let the village elders know of this and they will have to let word out so that we can make the sale and so that we can have the transaction. Good! As soon as you do this, as quickly as you do this, I'm out of here. Do it as quickly as you can, Father. And the younger son left, and he was gone. Well, The father went to the village elders, and when he went to them and announced it was his intention to sell part of the estate, the village elders could not believe this. And he had to do this because in those times, nothing was done in private. It was all done in public and so he went to the village elders and when he told them this the village elders couldn't believe it they said they said why what why are you doing this you have had this this land in your family for generations and now you want to sell part of it it's the best land and you've cultivated it he said please don't ask any questions just just find me a buyer as soon as you can and so they went to work for him and It didn't take long to find a buyer because this was the prized land. And so the day of the transaction came and when they all came together and the two sons were there and the father was there and the servants were there and the village elders and many others who had heard what was going on were there. It was a public occasion. And so the papers were signed and the transaction was made and the money was exchanged and there was the father and people were just astonished that the father was doing this. But they did not know what was coming next because the father said, and now... This money from the sale of the estate, I give it to my younger son. And the younger son walked up and snatched it out of the father's hand and walked away while the entire village stood there in shock over what they had just witnessed. It took a few days for the son to get all of his things together. He bought some fine clothes, probably bought a really nice horse, and finally it was a day for him to leave. And again, this was a public occasion. And as he was riding through the village, the villagers lined up, and they looked at him and they said, Wicked son, rebellious son, you are dead to us. You have shamed your family. You have shamed your entire village. But the son didn't care. He just laughed and he rode off because finally he was getting everything that he had always wanted. And so he went to a far country and there he lived it up, lived it up. Wine, women, and song. It was the greatest occasion. And then the famine came. It did not rain for months. It did not rain for over a year. And the price of food went up. And the price of possessions went up. And the son who thought he was set for life saw his money go down, down, and down until finally he had nothing. And this fine inn where he had been staying all this time, the innkeeper kicked him out and said, you're out of here now. It could have been at this moment where Jesus went back to where He was reclining. He took a sip of the drink that He had. I'm sure that the religious leaders who were standing and and watching this and, and listening to this were probably thinking, at last, He's telling a story the right way. Jesus got back up He continued the story. The son was desperate. He went to one place after another after another trying to find some employment, but there was just no employment. He was beginning to starve. And and finally, somebody came to him and says, Listen, if you go down this road, I heard that the farmer has a job opening. Oh, thank you so much. I'm just so grateful to you. Thank you so much. And so the son set off down this road hoping against hope that there was some job waiting for him. But as he, as he approached, he heard these, these sounds and these noises, and then the stench and the odor came upon them, and he realized, this is a pig farm. But he was starving, and so he went up and he knocked on the door, and the owner answered the door, and, and, and maybe there was some other job that, the, that this owner had. And so, and so the son said, Sir, I, I need work. And I heard that you have a job opening here. Yes, I do have a job opening. I need someone to take care of the pigs. I need someone to make sure that they are fed. You, is there anything else? No, that's it. Well, I'll, I'll take it. I've got to have a job. You, a Jewish boy, are going to take this job of taking care of the pigs? Sir, I, I, I need it. And, and, and how much does it pay? And when the owner told him how much it paid, the son said, I, I, Sir, can it pay more? I, I can't survive on this. I, I can't even feed myself adequately on this. Do you want the job or not? I'll take it. And so he went to work, taking care of pigs. My guess is that as Jesus came to this part of the story, all of the sinners who sat around the table hung their heads in shame they knew who they were in the story they knew they were the jewish boy who had sunk to depths beyond any jewish person should ever go and again those pharisees are standing there like yes yes that is exactly right Finally, Jesus is getting it right. But as we know, Jesus wasn't finished with the story. And so it didn't take long. As starvation continued in this young man, it didn't take long for him to realize that he had really messed up. And so one day he started coming to his senses and he said, what have I done? What have I done? My, my, my father's servants. The slaves that my father owns. They have plenty of food to eat. And here I am. I'm starving to death. But, but I, I have destroyed it. I shamed my father. I shamed the entire village. Even if I go back, the villagers will probably kill me. What can I do? Wait a minute. Here's what I can do. I'll go back, and if I make it through the village alive, I'll hire myself out as a hired worker. I'll just be one of the workers. I'll sleep in the barn, and, and, and I'll say to him, Father, I, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I, I, I know I'm, I'm not your son anymore, but just hire me as a worker, and everything will be okay. I'll do that. And so it was his last hope, and so the son, probably without saying goodbye to the pig farmer, left, and he walked home. in the village. The father was home on that day also. He had business to conduct. He was there at the city gates where important business transactions took place. He was there with the other village elders. And as was his custom, the father went to the road where his son had rode off so long before. The other village elders came to him as the father looked wistfully down this road. They said, oh brother, you must give him up. He is dead. He is lost. He has shamed you. He has shamed the entire village. You must stop pining for your son. But the father would never stop. And on this day, the father stood there because way, way down the road, he saw this Tiny little figure walking, and he kept staring, and and he kept looking, and he refused to go back to business. Wait, just just wait. That business can can be put on hold for me. Just just wait a moment, and then he recognized. I I recognize that walk. I. I recognize those features. And the others came up to him and they they looked and they said, yes, we recognize him too. That's your wicked son. If he thinks he can come... But they could not finish what they were saying because the father ran down the road toward his son while the other elders watched. And they said, wait, 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 what are you doing? Dignified men do not run. Dignified men walk with head held straight with their stately posture. Why are you... But he's not paying attention to what the village elders are saying. And so they probably said, we better go find out what's going on. And so they took off too. And the other servants took off. And other people came. Well, the son was not ready for this. It was his responsibility to come and kneel and to take his father's hand and to kiss it, but but he can't do that because the father grabs him and begins to hug him and to kiss him. So the son can't kiss his father, can't kiss his father's hand. And finally the son pushes away a little bit and says, Father, <clears throat> I have a prepared statement. <laughs> I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer wor But he cannot finish his prepared statement. The father turns away from him. He faces the other servants and he says, You quickly go get the best robe, my robe, and bring it upon him and put it upon him. You go get sandals for these tired, bruised feet. You go get the family ring and put it upon his hand. And you and you and you, I want you to go get the fattened calf. And I want you to slay it. And I want you to prepare a feast for the whole village. Everyone is excited. My son has returned. Can you imagine what it felt like for that boy as he heard his father say, My son has returned. The father put his arm around the son. They put the robe upon him, the ring on his finger, the sandals on his feet. The father put his, ro- his arm around him and escorted him back into the village, thus solving the problem that he had of making it through the village alive. Because <laughs> now he's going to be safe because his father went to him and brought him back to the community. And so they begin this great feast and they begin this great celebration. And oh, they're having a time. And oh, it would be so great to end the story here. Which is the way it often ends, but we cannot. There's more to it. But first, I want to point out something to you. Did you notice the title of the story today? We normally call it the prodigal son. But I call it the prodigal son and his prodigal father. And many people see this title that I always give it. And they scratch their heads and they say, You know, I, I know who the prodigal son is, but who's the prodigal father? And their confusion comes from this. People do not know what the word prodigal means. People assume that the word prodigal means wicked. That it means sinful. But that's not what it means. The word prodigal means Excessive. It means abundant. The Son was prodigal. He was abundant in his sin, but the Father was prodigal. He was abundant in his forgiveness and in his compassion. He is the prodigal Father. And our God is the prodigal God. Because no matter how far we have strayed, His grace and His mercy and His compassion is far greater than all of our sins if we will just come to our senses and say, I have sinned against you. And God We'll be there with the best robe and the family ring and sandals for our feet. And he will welcome us in with us into his family with his kisses and with his love. Because that's the way our God is. There is no God like our God. And so they went in to celebrate. But we have to remember that there was one other son. And so he's out in the field doing his duty. And as he walks down that same road and as he gets close to the village, he hears this party going on. And he's saying, wow, what's going on? Who's having a party? And as he gets closer, he realizes that all the sound is coming from his house. And so he asks some of the the children or maybe some of the servants who are going in and out because it's just an amazing time that's going on. He says, hey, what's going on in my house? And they come up to him and says, "Your brother has returned. My brother has returned. Well, well, tell me what 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 did what did he look like? How was he dressed? Was was he back on his fine horse and in his robes? Did did he have even more money? Maybe from investments that he had gone off and and done really good things with that money? Oh no, there was no horse. He He was walking, his his feet were were bruised and and bloodied, he was in rags, he was near to death, he's been starving to death, and he lost everything. Well, well, why is there a party? Your father has welcomed him back, your father is elated to have his son back. And the older brother could not, he could not understand, he could not grasp. That this was going on. And when he heard that his father had welcomed back his wayward brother, he said, I'm not going in there. You can forget about that. And my father can forget about that too. Go tell my father I'm not going in to celebrate what's going on right now. This is an outrage. So the servants go back into the home and they tell the father what's going on. And the father's heart breaks again. And for the second time on that day, he must go on this path to reconcile a wayward son. And so he goes to the older son and he says, My son, I've invited you to come in. Look! All these years, I have been slaving for you. And you never so much as gave me a goat. To celebrate with my friends. And this son of yours. Who has wasted it all with prostitutes. And and all of the, the money that you gave him. That you worked so hard for. And you just welcome him back as if nothing happened. My, my, my son, everything that I have is now yours. But I had to. To welcome him back. Your brother has returned. Your son is a wicked son. Your brother is now alive. Your son. Did you catch that in the text? He will not say my brother. He always says your son. And the older son is now removing himself from the family. You see, all those years, he had so dutifully done his work and he thought he was so righteous and he thought he was so good. He thought he was so worthy of everything. But right then and there, he publicly dishonored his father in the way he talked to him and by his refusal to go into the home and to honor his brother. He was a sinner too. By this time, the sinners around the table who had felt so bad because they knew who they were in the story. They had their head lifted up. But the Pharisees lost again. <laughs> they could never win with Jesus. And so as they're standing there thinking that Jesus has told the story correctly, they realize that in a certain twist, Jesus has told the story against them because they know who they are in the story too Jesus finished the story in a way really without finishing it he just ended it by saying son your brother has come back he was dead he's now alive he was lost he's now found period Into story. And we're not told what the older brother did. Because Jesus left it to the imagination of the people. And not just to the imagination. But he left it to their choices. Because at that point, Jesus most likely went and sat back down and continued in the celebration. Waiting to see if any of the older brothers that were around the wall. If they would come and join in the celebration over the prodigal sinner's. Who had joined Jesus. And we don't know. If they did or not. And in the same way. That story is left hanging for us. Because as we read the story. We have to think about. Who we are in it. Some of you. Who are here today. May identify with. The father. Because you have a loved one. Who is wayward. And you're. You're waiting and you're compassionate for that person. You're you're waiting to pour out your compassion. and, And I just want to encourage you as you read this story to take hope. Don't lose hope for that wayward one. There may be some of you here today who identify with the prodigal son. And you may be thinking, I'm like that guy who was the pig farmer. And I want to encourage you today, come to your senses and give your heart to Jesus. He is waiting for you. Some of you could be here today thinking, oh, I'm not that bad. I've kind of got my life together and I've done this for God and I've done that for God and I've checked all the boxes and don't go there. Come and join in the celebration over God's amazing grace and over His amazing love for all of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You today for how great You are. And that Your greatness is not just in creating far-flung galaxies for us to gape over but your true greatness is in your compassion for wayward people such as we are. Today, Lord, I pray that every person will come to see that greatness and they will open their heart to you. Maybe some for the first time, maybe some for the hundredth time. May we all open our hearts to you And receive your amazing love. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.